Hello, beloved, and welcome to this evening's message where we are continuing to look at uh, the truth and the truth being under attack. Actually, what we have been saying to one another is that there is a war for the truth. Now, I'm uh, in our lounge and the wind is blowing outside and it's actually fantastic because if the wind blows like this then we can know most probably when we get to to springtime that we're going to get some rain so we're excited about that and it's interesting that 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 something as small as that um, can be challenged because I mean I grew up where I'm, I'm staying now this is my parents home and in all the years that we stayed here, if we had good August winds, uh, it couldn't also go into September. Um, but if we have good August winds, then the chances are that we are going to have some uh, spring rain. And the rain will be good rain. And we will have good rain even into summertime. And that used to be what we would look at. We would look at the wind and see... Uh, how the wind blows during August, uh, it has moved a little bit. It's moved into September. This is, if it's, there's a, a movement of seasons. But the basics is still the same. So if you have good wind in, in August, then good rain in September. But all of a sudden, along comes something like uh, climate change. At first it was global warming. Now it's climate change. And in this whole idea of climate change, everything's upside down. There's no truth anymore. There's no looking at the, the clouds and, and then saying to yourself, okay, if the clouds looks like this, I mean, where we stay now, I know if the clouds come over the Drakensberg, we, can, we look onto the Drakensberg. Uh, if the clouds come over the Drakensberg, we're going to have some thunderstorms. But if it comes from the opposite direction, when it comes from Lady Smith, from that, that area, then we're going to have good, hard rain, but it's going to last. It's not just a thunderstorm. But if we get a thunderstorm from the Drakensberg Mountain, and it actually passes Newcastle, and it turns uh, in Hildrop, you know, behind Hildrop there's a mountain, uh, or Hildrop is a mountain, basically, and behind that mountain, if the... If, if the storm basically turns around and then comes from the Lady Smith area, then we're going to have a lot of rain. And that always used to be true. And all of a sudden, things are changing. It's as, it's as if even nature is changing to such an extent that ultimate truth, that what used to be true in the past is no longer as as true as it was then. So, when it comes to speaking the truth, or always um, making sure that the truth stays the truth, that's a different story. There's a war against the truth, and especially, I mean, we we look at the, at the world through. Scripture. Now we look at the world through uh, a biblical worldview. We look at the world through the eyes of Scripture. 
And as we look at the world, we can see that the world is in opposition to the truth of Scripture. The world hates the truth, and it will always fight the truth. And we are, I believe, now at a point, uh, maybe it's going to get worse. Well, most probably it will get worse, but I think we are at a point where the truth is no longer the truth. It has always been twisted in some whether it's a small twist that's made or a small alteration that's made to the truth, but there's always something that is added or subtracted or changed with regards to the truth. Because I believe that the God of this world, Satan, who is the father of lies, he has gained a lot of input into uh, authoritative areas, you know, like government, um, in the officials that works for government, big corporate companies. There are so many people that disregard God, that doesn't care about God, that doesn't care about God's word, that doesn't get, care about the truth of God's word. They don't care about the biblical worldview. They don't care about Christianity. They're actually in opposition to God that the father of lies has gotten inroads into different areas, different aspects of our, of our daily lives, that at the end of the day, the truth is constantly under attack. But it's being attacked by the lie. And we know that the truth will always prevail at the end. And why? Because God is not a liar. God is not a man that he can lie or that he will lie. God stands for truth. Even It's interesting that we have the belt of truth as part of the armor that God gives us in, in, in the spiritual battle that we are involved in. Now, last week, or last time, we looked at the history of the church. Eh? And as we were looking at the history of the church, from a biblical perspective, obviously, we, we saw that we were warned in advance about the emerging of something like the emerging church. And I mean, the emerging church, for sure, is the means through which the truth is being attacked in the church world today. Remember that I said, it's a sad thing that the postmodern view of the truth has actually infiltrated the church in the form of the emerging church movement. And there is a war raging in the church today. And the truth is the focus of the attack. All right. Now, today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the truth has actually been under attack, not just in history, but also during modern times. Before we get there, though, let's just have a word of prayer. Father, it's such a privilege to come to you. and Thank you that we can learn about the truth and we can learn about the attack against the truth and we know it's it's been centuries but especially the time that we're living in now we can just experience and, and sense the attack on the truth your truth the truth objective ultimate truth and i pray father please enable us to understand this attack so that we can be awake and uh, be able to to see the attack and be diligent like the Bereans and study your word to see whether the things that is being said is true. And I pray, Father, please enable us to stand on the truth of your word. And I pray that you will enable me as I 
minister to your people. Enable me to minister the truth to your people so that they may be edified and also stand on the truth. As I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the truth has been under attack even during modern times. And let's, let's look at a few examples. Let's say in the past hundred years of church history. Let's start in 1920, the 1920s. What we find in the 1920s is that the liberal fundamental controversy, a fundamentalist controversy actually came about. Now it's being said that between approximately 1900 and 1940, American Protestants faced a conflict known as the fundamentalist modernist controversy. Uh, it's ac- they actually pitted modernists with their embrace of naturalism and biblical criticism and this uh, therapeutic spirituality. They pitted them against the fundamentalists who basically uh, continue to hold the traditional Christian doctrine. Now, a fundamentalist is basically someone or a group of people that, um, how can I say, they, they are characterized by the application of a strict literal interpretation of the scriptures, of dogma, of ideologies, um, along with a strong belief in the importance of of distinguishing one's in-group and one's out-group, which leads to an emphasis on some conception of purity and a desire to return to the previous ideals from which advocates basically believe that members have strayed. So your fundamentalists are those people who say, whoa, 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 we have moved so far away from the literal interpretation of Scripture Uh, the things that Scripture literally says, that we need to go back to those things, and then they will be called fundamentalists. So this liberal uh, fundamentalist controversy is, is, is a dangerous thing, actually, because liberalism, remember, is they take an absolute in Scripture, something that is true to the readers of biblical times and true for everyone that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ afterwards. They take an absolute of Scripture, but then what they do is they interpret it as a relative. They say, no, it's only applicable to the people of those days. It's like, for example, homosexuality, um, you know, the whole homosexuality issue, they would say, no, 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 it's not applicable to everyone. This is only applicable to Paul's time. What Paul wrote in the book of Romans is only applicable to the Romans in those days. Right, so those, that's liberalism. Okay, so they take an absolute in Scripture and they interpret it as, um, as a relative. And, and that leads to liberalism where they are actually supposed to take uh, an absolute and keep it an absolute, but they don't do that. So when you look at liberalism uh, and fundamentalism, what happened was the liberalists started taking the absolutes and interpreting it as as non-absolutes. And what the fundamentalists did was they say, no, 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 we need to get back to a literal interpretation of Scripture. So you had this controversy, and that already happened in the 1920s. That's 100 years ago. And that had a major impact, a massive impact on, um, how can I say, on the church, especially the evangelical church world. All right. So the moment you take a 
an absolute in scripture and you interpret it as a relative then you in danger remember an absolute is something that is true to the one people that read the text at that specific stage and everybody else uh, for all the ages to come and the relative is only applicable to the people of those days the people that originally read the text all right so we have this controversy in 1920 between the liberals and the fundamentalists and then round about the 1940s we have what is called the fundamentalist evangelical split right the evangelicals basically they split away from the even uh, the, the uh, fundamentalists because they said the fundamentalists are too strict maybe a little bit too legalistic uh, maybe a little too tied down um, maybe too literal in in the things that they were reading all right and the evangelicals said no we're going to move away we're going to split up from the fundamentalists now evangelicalism it's also called evangelical Christianity or evangelical Protestantism. It's a worldwide interdenominational movement within Protestant Christianity that affirms the centrality of being born again in which an individual basically experiences personal conversion. They agree on the authority of the Bible as God's revelation to humanity and spreading the Christian message. Now, this word, evangelical, comes from the Greek word euangelion. And that's basically the meaning of it is good news. Uh, what we know is the gospel. All right. And then, obviously, the fundamentalists, I've told you what it is already. So, you have the split between the fundamentalists and the evangelicals ran about the, in the 40s, 1940s. And then in the 1950s, the evangelicals broke away or split up. There was this divide between the evangelicals and the new evangelicals. Now, the new evangelical movement was basically a response among orthodox evangelical Protestants to the separatism of fundamentalist Christianity uh, in the 1940s. So what happened was the, 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 the fundamentalists, they kept themselves separate they said no 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 we cannot associate ourselves with the evangelicals and they, we cannot accept the new evangelicals either because we want to stay pure we want to continue and go back to what we believe was uh, acceptable in the beginning when the church started all right now gotquestions.org a website explains new evangelicalism as as follows it says um, new evangelicalism or new evangelicalism was an uprising within the broader evangelical wing of Christianity that emphasized direct engagement with the culture and in some cases um, cooperation with other more liberal Christian groups where the fundamentalists said no 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 way uh-uh. or the let's say the more conservative evangelicals said no we can't associate ourselves with liberal Christianity. Uh, we, we can't have engagement with a culture that is not biblical, that, that, that hates God, and we cannot do that. Okay? We cannot cooperate with um, people who do not believe. So there came this split between what is called the new evangelicalism and the evangelical um, world. Right? This was around about the 1950s. Then in the 1970s, 
the new evangelicals or the new yeah the new or the new evangelicals um, there was this division between them and what is called the pseudo evangelicals now a pseudo evangelical basically refers to non-mainstream beliefs or philosophies with certain aspects of religion okay so your pseudo uh, evangelicals basically they were not mainstream they were independent they did their own thing okay uh, it's, it's basically they were trying to answer for god or um as probably more likely they to, to, they try to defend their own theology okay and that's why it's called pseudo evangelicalism they were not mainstream right so they broke away from the new evangelicals and then in the 1990s 90s we find the emerging of what is called the emerging church and beloved i believe that the emerging church Let's call it the emerging church movement is not a movement that is only seen in one specific or one type of church. It is seen all over. I believe it's like the, the um, charismatic movement or the word of faith movement. The word of faith movement is not a denomination. It is a movement. You will find the word of faith teachings in different churches, even in, in Baptist churches. You will find um, word of faith teaching in there that's crept in through people that accepted the word of faith teachings and took it into the church, into their, their denominations or their local churches. All right, so the emerging church is basically a movement that, that, that just spread all over into different churches. And, and that's basically what we are looking at. So what we've seen is in the last hundred years that there was or there, there is this weakening of the gospel. Uh, and there is the questioning of the authority of Scripture. And there is this invasion of heresy into the church. And then what we are interested in, in at this stage, there is this questioning of truth. Is there such a thing as ultimate, objective truth? Eh? And what happened was, it basically led to apostasy within the church. Because if we do not accept uh, biblical truth, if we do not accept ultimate truth, if we do not accept objective truth, if we do not accept that there is such a thing as truth that stands forever and ever, if we don't accept that, then things will become relative. Okay, and that's what we've been seeing in the world, the church world, uh, in the past hundred years or so. Now, Following that trend now of the weakening of the gospel, the questioning of the authority of scripture, the invasion of heresy, the question of truth, the apostasy within the church, following what, what basically happened, it is being said that if Jesus Christ kind of waits for another hundred years to, to return to this earth, they say that there will be no truth at all. And that sounds scary, isn't it? Already now, it is hard to find the truth. I mean, there's such an explosion of, of knowledge, for example. I found it the, uh, the other day. We, we were looking at um, 
alternative foods, you know, alternative medicines and, and foods that we can eat. And uh, specifically, I was looking at foods, which foods are alkaline and which foods were more, you know, um, acidic. Uh, and, and I wanted to cut out some of the acidic food, foods so that I, my body can become more alkaline. And it's interesting. I went to Google. And the first website, basically, on Google said, and, and I was looking at, uh, I think it was blueberries, if I'm not mistaken. And I asked the question, blueberries, are they uh, alkaline or are they acidic? That was so interesting that in the first website on Google, so if you do a Google search, the first one said it was uh, alkaline and the second website said it was acidic. Or, or the other way around. I can't exactly remember. But it amazes me. It amazed me. That here you have uh, Google, who is supposed to be like a help for people to, to find the truth about things. And I look at two websites, the top two, and they say the opposite. So what is true? You see, what has happened is, this battle that has been going on for the truth, this, uh, this, this war against the truth has been going on and has been so fierce that it's not just infiltrated the church, it's infiltrated every aspect of society. And beloved, nowadays it's fine if you, just for clicks and uh, to have a higher uh, place in, in um, how can I say, standing in Google or wherever, or if you want to have more clicks on your website or on your YouTube channel or whatever, then you say whatever you want. And when you say whatever you want, you can say the opposite of what is true just to get clicks. And that's another means or another way of the truth being attacked. And I believe that there's, a, there's some truth in what is being said that if the Lord tarries to return in another hundred years, there will be no truth at all. Because people are already talking more and more and more about it's my truth and your truth and this truth and that truth. No, what about the truth? That's what we need to get to. Now, praise God. We know that Jesus Christ said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So I believe in the church of Jesus Christ, of which he is the head, with believers that are born again, by the Spirit of, of God and the Holy Spirit that indwells God's people, the church will prevail. The truth will continue because the church is the ground and the pillar of the truth. All right, so the church will continue to speak the truth in love because we have objective, ultimate, perfect truth. In God's word. So as long as the church continues to hold on to God's word, we will continue to hold on to the truth. But the moment we move away from God's word, beloved, it is a fact that we will fall away from the truth. And we will start believing in subjective truth. My truth and your truth and their truth and what, what, what. Okay. See, we have a responsibility. We need to stand as the church. We need to stand for the truth. Because... The church is the, the ground and the pillar of the truth. I mean, we must earnestly contend for the faith. And I believe that a failure to do so 
will most probably lead to a post-Christian era. You know, because the church has, has just infiltrated every aspect of life for, for quite a while. And societies have, have followed Christian principles and Christian ethics and Christian morals. And, and we've seen in Western society uh, for years there was this amazing uh, culture. You know, it was like a Christian culture that existed. Here in South Africa, I remember, I mean, everybody went to church. On a Sunday morning, the, the uh, how can I say, the shops were closed. You couldn't even get petrol on a Sunday because it was the Lord's Day. It was a time that people go to church. But if the, the truth is, how can I say, the ultimate truth, objective truth, if that is exchanged for relativism, relative truth, your truth and my truth and whatever truth, then we are going to move into an era where the, those Christian foundations will be gone. Absolutely gone. And we will, other countries will look exactly the same way that um, Europe looks. It's amazing that Europe, the place, and, and we stayed in London, let me explain it like this. And I remember that the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith, the Second Baptist Confession of Faith, it, it was written in London. And we stayed in London. And a Jehovah's Witness lady came to, to visit us. We were staying with friends. And so she came in, sat down, and she started speaking to us. And she says she's been doing street work for 20 years. She says this is the first time that she came and sat down and spoke to people. And she doesn't have to, st doesn't have to start with a question, do you believe there is a God? Because we immediately started talking about God. Because I am... I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of, of God. So she said that in 20 years, she always had to start with the same thing. Do you believe there is a God? That's how she would start her conversations. And that is in London where the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith, the second Baptist Confession of Faith was written. Um, very strongly religious, uh, in, in, how can I say, society. Uh, many churches. And a strong um, truth that came out of those churches that went into the rest of the world and had a massive impact on the world and today if you it's heartbreaking you drive and as you look at the churches that used to exist some of them are now pubs uh, some of them have turned into mosques some of them have have changed into uh, secondhand shops and all those kind of things businesses and all kinds of things churches have closed down and you can see it also in the rest of Europe now beloved if we we are honest with one another there is definitely a war on against the truth of God's word ultimate truth perfect truth now you will notice that the emerging church is like flirting with the liberal spirit of postmodernism and I mean, we must be enthusiastic about the truth which God has given us. And remember, Jesus Christ is the real truth. And we know that he died to, to bear witness of the truth, of the fact that he is the truth. 
And what we need to do is we need to know and we need to guard and proclaim and we need to pass the truth on to the next generation. Because postmodernism, this, this infiltration of the church through the emerging church movement is so strong that um, we're losing the truth. Praise God, we know that God's word is the truth and we need to hold on to God's truth. Now, beloved, we need to remember that the, true, the, the church of Jesus Christ, I've said this, let me just say it again, is the ground and the pillar of the truth. First Timothy chapter 3.15 says, But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how to, you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The truth is kept high so that everybody can see it through the church, but it's also rooted within the church. The church is not only the ground of the truth, but it's also the pillar of the truth. It keeps the truth. It actually proclaims the truth far and wide. Beloved, every believer is supposed to be an ambassador for the truth. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's the truth. And we are ambassadors. We are the ones that are sent into this world to proclaim, yes, the gospel and reconciliation, because that's all part of the truth. We are here to proclaim Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. All right, so it's important. But every believer is also a soldier for the truth, ne? Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 to 3 says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul speaking to Timothy, he says, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. We need to keep ourselves out of the affairs of this life in the sense of being involved in the world and doing the things of the world and, and being, uh, how can I say, suck up into the world or sucked into the world no what we need to do is we need to speak the truth to the world and sometimes we need to do it as soldiers because it's a fight there's a war on but beloved believers must also stand for and defend the truth colossians chapter 2 verse 8 says beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men and according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. So don't allow anybody to, to basically cheat you, to deceive you. Uh, we need to stand for the truth because Christ is the truth. Ne? And in Jude we read, Jude verse 20, it says, But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, Praying in the Holy Spirit, verse 22, keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, verse 22, and on some have compassion, making a distinction, verse 23, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. We need to go into this world, boldly proclaim the truth, Uplift the truth like a pillar in a building, uplifts the roof. We need to uplift the truth, but we need to be firm in the truth as, a, as, as if there's a foundation into the ground. And we need to, our foundation should be the truth. And we should take that truth and go into this world and spread the truth of God's word. 
as far and as wide as we can. Beloved, because there's a war against the truth. And that war is real. And it's only through the truth of God's word and proclaiming that truth, standing on that truth, protecting that truth, that we will be able to, to stand and be others who do not know the truth will be able to hear the truth. All right, let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for the truth and thank you that the church is the ground and the pillar of the truth and thank you so much that we can proclaim your truth, that we can stand on the, the hilltops and we can stand on the housetops and on the buildings and, and boldly proclaim the truth of your word. Father, please enable us to do that. And we pray that those who hear the word will be, or the truth of your word will be drawn to the truth and that they will also embrace your truth. Oh, Father, we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Enable us, uh, strengthen us, so that you may be glorified and your truth may be proclaimed. This we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Beloved, thank you very much for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and may he give you his peace. God willing, until next time, bye-bye.